0: Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by Jesus' stripes I am healed. All right, praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! So we're gonna uh, today we're gonna be going to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10. and then we'll look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. So let's go to Acts chapter 10. and we're going to read from there. and we're going to read verse 34 through 44. So it'll be Acts chapter 10. get over there, and we'll read 34 through 44. So we'll begin at verse 30. <clears throat> then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we were witnesses, are witnesses of all things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that he is which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. All right, now let's go to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and we'll read verse 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll read verse 1 through 5. All right, we'll begin at verse 1. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preach another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come into your house. We pray and ask that your Holy Spirit, and your divine wisdom would come forth this morning through the word of God. Help us to see Jesus in his reality and in his glory. Father, help us to recognize your son, for it is only through him that we have life and can have it more abundantly. Father, we ask it even now in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Today, I'm, I'm entitling my message, The Wrong Jesus, The Wrong Jesus, and I have as a thesis for this is just to say that many people miss the freedom that God has by focusing on the wrong Jesus, okay? We don't get to choose our Jesus. Well, you can if you like, but the reality is that the Bible tells us about Jesus, who he is, what we can know to focus to make sure that we're in the right place. What brought, made me think even more so about it as I was getting ready to prepare this morning Was I received a prayer request at like four o'clock this morning, our time, and I'm just going to read it to you. It says, Dear Pastor White, I am listening from the UK and am so blessed by your ministry. I would be most grateful if you would pray for me. I have osteoarthritis throughout my body. I've suffered for 18 years, but am trusting the Lord for healing. I believe he desires me to ask you to pray for me. Thank you, and the Lord bless you richly. Sister Sue. So I wrote back, Good morning, Sister Sue. I've received your prayer request. I will pray as you have asked. Let us stand in faith together for your healing that I am sure the Lord will accomplish. May God bless you and keep you is my prayer. Well, then she wrote back maybe about an hour later. Thank you. That means a lot. I've had arthritis in my body since I was in my 20s. I'm now 75. But 18 years ago, I was told I needed a hip replacement. I refused it, preferring to wait upon the Lord. Since then, I've been told I need two new hips and two new knees. During the pandemic, I had a personal revival and felt that healing would be granted to me. Yesterday, while reading Luke 13, 10 through 13, I realized that woman was bent over as I am and had suffered for 18 years. I strongly felt I should ask you to personally pray for me. No reply is needed, just for your reference. May our our dear Lord continue to bless you and your ministry. Now, what made me, what really then, kind of dawned on me after reading this, was that you could have somebody all the way in the United Kingdom watching what we're doing here in the United States, and then the Lord being able to move on that individual's heart to request that somebody that's totally somewhere else pray for them. I believe that when you look at the Scriptures and you look at the Bible itself, you'll see that what we have going on, especially in different places, is that many times people are crafting Jesus to be who they just want him to be. We live in this hour now. They call it the hour of enlightenment, you know, so everybody does pretty much what they want to do. Churches are doing what they want to do. People saying what they want to say. People singing what they want to sing. And, and, and there seems to be nothing that stops them from doing this other than the fact that God has declared uh, himself to be who he is. And Jesus, if you listen to his gospels, you hear him saying, who he is and what he does and how he does it. You listen to Paul. Paul tells you who he is, how he does it, what he does. Yet still you find people um, moving out in the areas uh, that are just not. What this prayer request said to me was here, you have an individual who, irrespective of you know what other people might think about it or whatever, has decided to wait on God and believe God that what he says in his word he's capable of doing. And so... The question many times will be asked by some is whether or not that's, that's wise. It really depends on your faith, I say to people. You know, we tell people we don't have anything against doctors or anything against anything. The question is, where is your faith in whatever it is that you're doing? And what does the Bible say about what you're doing? We see then in the book of Acts, when we read it in Acts chapter 10, that the Bible tells us that God is no respecter of persons. You know, prior to this... Um, Set of verses, what happens is uh, Peter is up on the rooftop somewhere and this sheet comes down and basically tells him to rise up and to slay and eat these animals that he sees. And he says, oh, no, 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 I've never eaten anything unclean. And the spirit says to him, don't call things unclean that I've cleaned. And it happens three times. And then not long after that, um, these three Gentiles show up at the home where he is and request that he comes to do something. So Peter goes with them and basically explains to them, you know, that, look, God, this, it's unlawful for us to come into a house of people that are not Jews. But God has made it clear to me, not to call anything unclean, that he's clean, talking about people. And then he begins then to say, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Obviously, he's told me to come here even though you're not a Jew. And so he begins then to talk to them about Jesus and begins to explain to them who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and the fact that they were eyewitnesses of Jesus in terms of what occurred and how it occurred. They were eyewitnesses. And so Peter then says, interestingly enough, in verse 38 he says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, I always tell people, if you're interested in knowing whether or not you're dealing with the wrong Jesus, it's first of all, all you got to do is ask yourself the question. First of all, the Jesus that you're dealing with, is he about doing good? Now, we get confused nowadays as to what does that mean? It's very simple. When you read through the Bible, you always saw every time Jesus was dealing with somebody that was sick, he would heal them. If there was something wrong with them, he would take care of it. Somebody died, he raised them from the dead. He was always about doing good. But many have taken scriptures and said things like well you know I want to suffer for Jesus and I want to make sure that I suffer because the Bible says in one place we should enter into our suffering with the Lord so that we can know what his suffering was like but Jesus didn't suffer from sickness and disease Jesus didn't suffer from illness Jesus' suffering was the rejection all of the people who were continuously bad-mouthing him saying things about him belittling him Blaspheme in him and everything else as the Son of God. This was the suffering that Jesus kind of had to undergo and went through. Kind of what ought to be happening for us as believers. I listened to someone yesterday, a Christian artist, who was going on about why all of them keep hooking up with everybody in the world. You know, So now somebody want to have a Christian uh, line or Carly B done sung on my song in some kind of way that's supposed to make me feel like God is working amongst the people. Look at that, even Carly B could sing on your gospel record. You people have lost your minds. If y'all think that's God, something wrong, with all of us. And people say, well, you can't say that. I said it and i say it again. Something is wrong with y'all. You need to understand, this is the same thing that was going on back when Elisha challenged the prophets of Baal. He said, Solomon had brought this stuff into Israel to start by marrying all these women. Solomon married all these women, beautiful women from every country and everywhere, Egyptians and Phoenicians and all these women. But they brought their gods with them. And Solomon was like, ah, well, you know, go ahead. I mean, what's the the point? If she want to worship her god over there, let her do it. I'm still king. Yeah, but God was like, "Uh uh-uh. Can't do it that way. You can't mix the holy and the unholy. You can't be over in the other side of the house worshiping the devil while you're then over here trying to worship me. It don't work like that. God said, "I am the Lord. I change not. I'll have no other gods before me, after me, or nowhere else." You need to love me. I'm a jealous God. I ain't playing. These are all demons y'all dealing with. He's saying, "I am the only true God." He says, "Right." This is what he wants them to understand. So when Elisha approaches. The people, he says, how long will y'all halt between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, we'll go serve Baal. He says, but make a decision, right? And the people said, well, okay. Well, what are, we, what are you going to do about it? Jesus said, okay, well, Elijah said, why don't we just have a test then? We'll let your God, they can make a fire, and they can't put, any, they put an altar, but they can't put any fire on it, Then I'm going to make one too, and we'll call on God. And the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people were like, oh, yeah, that's great. It's like a contest, you know, when you get two people in there fighting, whoever wins, that's great. Well, sure enough, when it's all over, God answers Elisha. doesn't answer the prophets of Baal. And when it's all over, the prophets of Baal die. But even in the process of that, Jezebel refused. She didn't say, oh, wow, fire fell from heaven. Let me worship God. That's not what she said. She said, I'm going to make sure Elisha is just like them prophets of Baal by the end of the day. In other words, she just got more irate. The fact that God did something to prove that he was God just made Jezebel more angry. And she said, I'm going to kill you, Elisha. The Bible says Elisha had had enough. He got up and ran. So why would you know you got fired and come from heaven and you running? Well, when he got there, we kind of hear his story. He says, I can't take this no more, Lord. He said, I'm the only one that's sitting here saying what you said. He said, and now they after me to take my life. Why don't you just kill me and let me just get on out of here? That's how he felt. And the Lord was like, basically, you tired, Elisha. He said, but let me make it clear to you. Everybody has not bowed their knee to Baal. He said, there are people that I have reserved to myself who believe in me just as strongly as you do. So what I need you to do is just get you a little something to eat and rest your nerves because I'm about to send you back to do what needs to be done. You know, we live in an hour, like I said, to, to hear this from this lady over in the UK, uh, requesting prayer in a way that, you know, you don't hear a lot of that from people, you know. For the most part, people are like, nah, I'm just going to go do whatever I got to go do. Um, they, they, don't, they don't really put... Jesus to task, you know, for what he said and what he did, and they're like, it's like the Bible is like this fairy tale. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean that people can't do what they think. I told you, you got to operate in your realm of faith. This is what you got to understand, but you cannot take away the realm of faith because your realm is more constricted. So you got to understand it. It's a bigger realm. It's all a realm of faith because people think doctors can help them. Trust me, folks, doctors ain't nothing but people. And if stuff don't go right, it ain't going right for you. You just get that. So a doctor with the hands being driven by God and being moved by God when it's all over can get to where they need to be. But at the same time... I've seen doctors make terrible mistakes and hurt people badly. So we need to understand that God is in all of this and our faith needs to function and operate in it. But at the same time, we want to realize that we don't want to walk away from the God of the Bible when it comes to faith and exercising it in him and knowing what he said. Who is he? So the wrong Jesus, many people are missing the freedom that God has for them from all kinds of things because they're focusing on the wrong Jesus. People have given them a picture of Jesus that is not right, and because of that, you can never receive from him because he's the wrong Jesus. Just like no fire could come from heaven when they were calling on this Baal, neither can any fire come from heaven when we're calling on the wrong Jesus. People say, Well, Pastor, who are you to say it? I am been sent by God to say it. I just read the word. That's why I know it's right. See, I don't make it up. I listened to a pastor the other day. And I mean, big old church, people everywhere. And I heard him make up a sermon that when you read the scriptures, I went back and said, God, that is not what they say. People say, Yeah, but look how big his church. I wouldn't care if the church had a million people in it. What people don't understand about this, we got to follow God. This is what happened with Elisha. There were so many people following Baal. These people had mixed up everything. They were worshiping Yahweh, and then they would turn around and they were worshiping the devil in their house. And they were like, "Hey, you know what's wrong with this? I mean, God is good. I mean, Baal is the Baal. Baal was the god of uh, uh, rain and fertility and all of that. And then God was the uh, uh, you know did his thing too. But what's wrong with that?" They would say. And because nothing was happening, eventually God told Elisha, "Call for a famine on the land." And then Elisha told Ahab, "There ain't gonna be no rain for three and a half years." And then what ends up happening? <laughs> Everybody. People are dying from the famine because they don't have no money. People are dying from thirst because they don't have no water. All this stuff is happening. Why? Because God had had enough and he told Elisha, just call down a famine on the land. Now let's see what these gods can do for these people. You know, Some people worship the dollar bill so much that, boy, God forbid, when it blow up, what are they going to do? They wouldn't know what to do if they didn't have a dollar. They live their life behind dollars. Gotta have the money, gotta have this. And if you go to some of these churches, that's all you hear about, how you can prosper in the world and why Jesus died so you can prosper and you can have money and you can this and that and the other. And nowhere in the scriptures does Jesus himself declare that. In fact, everywhere that Jesus in the scriptures say, hardly shall a rich man even get into heaven. Barely will he make it. If he do, it's gonna be because with God, nothing is impossible. Somewhere he's going to have to give it up, though. Jesus asked this rich young ruler, he kept asking him, what do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus said, follow the commandments, whatever. He said, oh, I've done all that. He said, oh, you lack one thing. What? Go take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor, and come follow me. Bible says he dropped his head and walked away because he was sad because he had a whole bunch of stuff. Now, we can sit and pretend all we want. That, you know, Jesus done changed. That some kind of way he doesn't think that way anymore. That God somehow realized that he needed gold and silver and and, and U.S. dollars in order to what? Make his church work and bless his people. That's the only way he could do it. Maybe changed his mind. I doubt it, but the reality is that you would think that's what was going on with most people. Here, what you find then in this person, this request I saw was, wow, in spite of the fact that the doctor tells you this is what they can do, you're like, nah, I'm holding on. I'm going to hold on because I want to believe that God can do this. Some would say, well, that's crazy. But it's really not about that. It's about trying to take the task the Jesus that you see in the scripture, trying to grab a hold of what it is that you see. In Luke chapter four, I want to read some verses to you. Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 15 through 30. And I want to say this before I read these. Prior to this, Jesus has gone into the wilderness and has been tempted by the devil. And the Bible says that after he was tempted by the devil, first he went into the river Jordan, he was baptized, The Holy Spirit came down on him, and then he was filled with the Spirit of God. And the Bible says immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness so he could be tempted by the devil. All right, so listen to that pattern. He he gets baptized by the Spirit, filled with the power of God, and instead of getting led to go preach, he gets led to be tempted first. Let's see what's really on your mind. Let's see why you're really doing what you're doing, right? That's what temptation does for you. You know, when you start getting tempted with the money and you start getting tempted with stuff and you got to start tempted with uh, whether or not you're going to stick to God. It's like what Sister Miranda said in the devotion this morning. Is it about pleasing God more important to me or is it about fame and fortune? You know, the the music person I listened to yesterday, you know, they they kept going on about how the doors of opportunity to gospel people are are narrow and closing, and how all these other gospel singers who came out of the church and now they're so popular and they have a lot of avenues, and somehow, you know, you think because your song was in the club, somebody found Jesus in there. What don't you understand about the suffering the Bible's talking about? That's the suffering. Well, I was in the church choir, and I could sing better than Beyonce. I get it. what they got to do with anything? Well, if I would just take my talent on out there, people would recognize it. Yeah, the devil would. He always has. Why you got to make it the devil? Because that's who it is. You're telling me you're going to take your talent out the church to the world so you can reach the world for God? Last I heard, God was here. And although we sing, if what we sing gets to the people, fine. But if it doesn't, whatever. Well, you'll never be able to become a a what? Become what? Famous, maybe? Well-known? Maybe make a lot of money? All the things that Jesus said are going to send us to hell. All the things that Jesus said are the thorns of the world that choke out the word. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and all the other things in the world. He said, come in and choke the word, and it's over. The suffering that we are supposed to be exposed to as believers is the understanding that while we live here, we don't get to get the rewards they get. We don't get to be recognized like they're recognized. We don't always know. Instead, we get rejected. We get canceled. We get talked about because people say we don't love. We don't this. We don't care about the world. It's not that. We care about truth. Now, either the Bible's true or it ain't. Jesus in so many ways and said stuff that ought to just make everybody mad and don't even want to deal with Jesus. Instead, people want to sing about him, even in the club. And say, well, you shouldn't have a problem with that. You, the people in the club need to be saved. Who you think you are? I am a sinner who used to be in the club. And I know good and well what club music sounds like. And you can put Jesus, you can add Jesus' name to it all you want. You know, that'd be like, gee, look, at least when I'm listening to worldly music, I know it's worldly. I don't try to change it. I don't be sitting there saying, Jesus, this is how we do it. This is how, Jesus, I'm not doing that. This is how Jesus does it. That's, that's not, I'm not doing that. I know that's worldly. I recognize it, and I know I better not get too close to it, because like a moth, I'm going to go up in the flame. I might want to fly around and sometimes warm myself. I remember when I used to listen to that, but don't fly too close to that, because you're going to, there you go. I, I'm saying this for y'all that got your little oldest list. I ain't trying to hurt you today. I just want you to understand. Don't sit there joking to that all the time. It ain't God. Well, we got to know that it wasn't God. Me and Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones. We got a thing going on. Turn da turn da turn da turn da we both know that it's wrong, but it's much too strong to let it go now. You better let it go. <laughs> you got to know it's wrong. You say you know it's wrong. So today when people say, oh, y'all, they singing songs, man, ain't nothing but sin. Man, that, you telling me that one wasn't. It sounds good, you know, and it ain't as offensive, we say, as Carly B. But you still singing about Miss Jones. Okay, now now we got to understand God just is upset with that. I- I'm trying to get us to be clear that once we come out of the world, the Bible say come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. At least know what's separate. At least know if you're doing something, you can say to yourself, now you know this ain't right, and Jesus ain't, uh, he ain't accepting that. Instead of trying to mix it up and make it acceptable to God. Somewhere we have to know the truth because that's what will make us free as we call on Jesus. And the same thing when it comes to this. Jesus went into the wilderness and the devil did what what he does best. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I'm hoping that your minds don't get corrupted from the simplicity that's in Jesus. Jesus ain't difficult. It ain't hard to figure out. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Separate yourself from the world. They that think that they don't have sin probably do. And few will find the way in. That's scary enough. Yeah. I mean, Jesus said there's going to be few people. He said straight is the way. Narrow is the path that leads to life. And few there be that find it. That would be scary to me. Why would I think I'm in the few? Just be arrogant to start. Paul kept saying in many places, I am pushing that I might apprehend that for which I have been apprehended. He was saying that God had saved, had brought him in and told him go preach. And he says, so God apprehended me, God arrested me, and God made me go preach the gospel. He says, I hope that I can apprehend like I've been apprehended. He says, I'm living my life and I'm hoping that when it's all over, I'm not a castaway. All the people I've preached to, all the people I've tried to help, and when it's all over, I find myself cast away. Wow. When Jesus gives those kind of warnings, and you hear Paul giving those kind of warnings, you think we would be taking heart to the warnings to say, wait a minute, God, I don't want to be following the wrong Jesus. I want freedom that comes with Jesus. Jesus said you know that you're a slave when you commit sin." He said, he that commits sin is the servant or the slave of sin. So people run around nowadays, well, we're we free. <laughs> they ain't free. They're more slaves than they ever were. Slaves to the music, slaves to the, to the lust, slaves to all these things, the corruption and things that go on out here, thinking we're free, when the reality is we're not free. Slaves, bound by lust. Bound by pride. Bound by all these things that the world is trying to push on us. Not realizing that God says one day we all going to have to answer for this. And I'm like, people would tell me many times. See, Pastor, the reason it's hard for the church to grow is because you're always preaching them messages that make people don't want to go home and enjoy themselves. Let me ask you a question. When you see me, I hope, when we both all get to heaven, Hopefully, you'll be saying something like, man, I'm glad that's what you told me because, you know what, (laughs) I needed to know that. You know what I mean? I mean, trust me, I'm not trying to, I, I do not find this to be popular at times. You know, it would be great if we could just stand up here and say, you know what, God's desire is that each and every one of you will take over the world that's yours. When you were born, God had a world with your name on it. God had a purpose so big, you wouldn't know what to do if you saw it. Matter of fact, the reason God didn't tell you about your purpose, because he knew you would run when you saw it. God's got such greatness, such power, such anointing for your life just to make your name explode all over the earth. When it's all over, people are going to say your name, and it's going to make them shout. The only name will be greater is Jesus. You know we got to throw that in there, right? Because you got to keep him somewhere in there. But deep down, we looking at the, woo we, look at what God going to do. Look what God got for me. Look at this, look at that, look at the other. <laughs> Pastor, help me. But what the Bible says is that Jesus said, I'm trying to help y'all, but I want you to see something. Now, he don't went out there. The devil tries to tempt him. First, the devil says, you haven't eaten in a long time. I know you're hungry. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus said, look, the Bible says man don't live by bread alone, but by what? Every word of God. So we live by the word of God, not, I mean, ask my wife, she'll tell you, every time we get into some discussion about something, even if she and I don't even necessarily agree on it, I always will say, okay, but what does the word say? Let's just go find the word on it. What does the word say? Now, if we can't find a word, sound like neither one of us need got no, we can have all opinions we want. What we need to know is, did God say anything about it? If he did, what did he say? And Jesus said, that's what we got to live by. If we live by that, we don't never have to worry about getting out the way. It's like driving down the street. Stay between them lines, them your lines. And unless somebody cross over into your lane, you safe because everybody's going in the right direction. All you got to do is pay attention to what's in front of you, and maybe every now and then making sure whoever right behind you might not run into you. But the left and the right ain't for you. Just your lane. Stay in it. Same thing with God. Just stay in your lane. Here's the word. Stay in your lane. I don't care what all them people are doing. Stay in the lane. Stay in the lane of what Jesus says. Stay in his lane. Then we get to the place that Satan says, okay, I know what I'm going to do. So he takes him up to the top of the temple, it says, and he well, first he shows him all the kingdoms next of the world and says, I'll give you all this if you'll bow down and worship me. Now, when you listen to some of these people, listen to this guy that was singing yesterday, singer, I said, man, you're stupid. The stuff you're saying is right what the Bible says. I'll give you all this if you'll just worship me. Nowhere does God say that. Nowhere does God come to us and say, hey, if you want the world, you want everything, just worship me. Uh Uh-uh. God says, look, I'm God. You're going to die and go to hell if you don't get yourself together because that's just where everybody's going. It's not a like... I can just ignore it and it doesn't happen. No, God's like this. Already, The judgment has already been set. Man is a sinner. He has to have a place to go when he dies. He can choose. I've given him a choice here. I send preachers to tell you the truth. You can accept the truth or you don't have to accept it. The truth is you need Christ. He's the only one. I accept Christ. Now I escape hell. That's your reward. Not the rest of the world. Not all of a sudden now you can become a prince. You can become a queen. You can become the head of the world. You can run everything. That's not what we're doing. The Bible says the love of the world is not in the Father. He says everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, all of it is of the world and none of it is of the Father. Why does the Father hate the world so much? Not the people, the system. Because it's the system that is destroying mankind. Look at it. They can't be satisfied with their spouses. They get a spouse, time go on, well, you know I fell out of love. No, you fell out of lust because now your spouse ain't quite what you want her to be or what you want him to be. So you done went on, now you done got you another spouse. When the reality is there's something going on with all of us and we need to understand it, God's like you're destroying yourselves. Satan is destroying you. Satan is destroying. Well, I need to, you know, I got to make money, you know. Well, yeah, but you're you're selling your life out, your time, the time with your children, the time with this. We're doing, we know we got to balance it all. We need money. We got to have that. We need things. We got that. But there's an extreme that we can go to, that the devil all of a sudden begins to pull on us in such a way that before you know it, We've got caught up in the weeds again. That's why God hates the world system because he knows all Satan really wants to do is get the worship of his people. They worship the money. They worship the fame. They worship everything else with the ultimate destruction of their souls being the end result. And God hates that. Matter of fact, the Bible said God so loved the world, us, the people, he gave his only son he had just so that he could do what? Have a righteous sacrifice so that we could all escape. Such an easy thing if we would believe the right Jesus. Well, then he takes him to the top of the pinnacle in the temple, and he says, jump off, because it says that he'll keep you from dashing your foot against the stone. Well, Jesus comes back and says, it also says, don't tempt God. So now Jesus comes out, the Bible says, of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. So he's now been tempted on all these points, whether or not he's he going to let his hunger and other stuff manipulate the word? Is he going to allow himself to let fame and fortune cause him to bow down to the devil? Or will he tempt God by doing crazy things to prove his faith? And Once he passed those tests, the Bible says he went back in the power of the Spirit of God, and he began preaching. Now, what's interesting is, I'm going to take you to verse 15 through 30, Chapter 4, and we're going to read a couple of these verses. Now, in verse 14, he's come back in the power. And in verse 15, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Listen to it carefully where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year... Of the Lord and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say unto them this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said Is not this Joseph's son and he said unto them you will surely say unto me this proverb physician heal yourself Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also hear now. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the day of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisa, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with joy. Y'all reading your Bible? Uh, They wasn't happy. They was filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill, whereupon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. Jesus comes out of the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost and power, ready to preach. Yeah. So he stops in one city, preaches, and then he gets home. And he goes into the church he was raised in. And as his custom was, it was his time to read from the book. So they handed him the book. And Jesus opened the book to the place that talked about him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he reads it. And then he hands the book back. Now, he found that place. See, he ain't like, look, I don't know about them churches, and I keep telling y'all, and I hope no none of y'all in here do this. I just try to teach you right. Some people get mad at me. but well, pastor, I don't agree with that. Well, I'm just trying to teach you right. You know, all this here like this, Lord, show me something. And then you open your book. And then you're in your room in the prayer, and then you put your finger down, and ooh, that is not how God Instructs us all right. I don't know why when we get in church people just get crazy and foolish things they do You know, they read bumper stickers and they read signs and it's God Even the people in the world know it now you write up. They say you're looking for a sign. Here's one It was advertised the other day. You need a sign. Here's one Yeah, you think advertising works it just did stuff like that Well, they think they understand that So the devil the same way you need a sign here one if he's foolish, you're foolish enough for him to get in your head to believe that you could just open up your Bible and take your finger and stick it somewhere, and that's God. Now, Pastor, I've done it before. When, okay, well, you're foolish. I'm trying to tell you now. Don't be mad. That's foolishness. Stop it. When you're young, God will let you do some of this foolishness. It's like a baby. Baby do crazy things. But when you get older and you got some sense, you understand. So they went into the, to the synagogue. Let's, let's look at it again. Oh, Lord, no. say, Pastor, look, if you want to grow, you got to stop. Luke, let's go back to Luke chapter 4. Let's see what happened again. Now, look at what happened. Now, this was his custom. Now, he showed up at church. All right, well, now we go to Luke chapter 4. Let's look at it again. Luke chapter 4, we're going to go verse, see which one I want to look at right quick. Go to verse, hmm, let's see. Let's go to verse 17. All right. So right there it says, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. So he walked in the uh, as his custom is. He goes to church on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, which was, was his turn. And they gave him the book, and he finds, opens the book. He found the place where it was written. So he went to it and read the Spirit, of the Lord, Then he, verse 20, he closed the book, and he gave it back to them and sat down. And all the eyes were looking at him, and he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, this boy is a local boy. He grew up here. He reads on Sunday, like Saturday for them, like every other boy. Now he's a man. Did you hear what he just said? He opened up to Isaiah, read the Messiah prophecy, and telling us today, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? The Bible says their response was not, wow, we found the Messiah. He's from our hometown. No, the Bible says in verse 22, and all bear witness and wondered. They were very gracious words. And they said, is it not Joseph's son? Ain't that Chapman boy? You, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, ain't that EJ? You know, it's like, you know, you know the person. You've been around him all this time. It's kind of like, whoa, 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 stop. What? I know you. I know you. I know everything about you, and I know all kind of stuff. And come on, not really. So then Jesus' response is not, yes, I'm Joseph. He says, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever you've done in Capernaum, do it here. Now, the thing is that normally when you hear that proverb, physician, heal yourself, it means two things it could mean. One, but well, Chris, turn this one on and turn out now. What it means is, turn that one off. What it could mean, and this one on. Yeah, there you go. What, what it could mean is, you've got all kind of problems that we all know about. Why you think we believe you the Messiah? Why, why would you think that? Why, why would you think this? I remember when my mother tried to be a member of our church. I love my mother. But my mama couldn't be a member of our church. Because when my mama would do stuff, and I would rebuke her like a member, she would make it clear to me she was my mama. And I would have to say, mama, I love you. But you are wrong. Now, you can't do that. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. What, mama? I'm going back to the church I came from. Well, you go right ahead, mama. I love you. And I was still going to see her and stuff. But I mean, you know, I can't do it now. You can't come in here and do that. I mean, well, in her world, she's like, boy, look, I brought you in this world. I can take you out. Well, I know all that. But they ain't got nothing to do with the fact God called me to preach. And in here, I got to pass the people. I know you my mama. But look at what Jesus happened with Mary. Mary said, <laughs> Jesus one place said, woman. <laughs> What have I to do with you right now? And, and she said, whatever he say, do it. Why? Because she recognized there was a distinction between the ministry Jesus had and the fact that she was his natural mother. You know, but what is Jesus saying to these people? Jesus said, look, y'all, y'all don't get this. I know y'all know me, but God done called me to something y'all don't understand, and I need you to understand. Watch this. He said, you're going to say to me, physician, heal yourself. Now, it could also mean prove yourself. You need to do something to prove yourself so we can go ahead and accept you as Mr. Messiah. With what we've heard you done, do it here then. And then Jesus' response is classic because he's already had the devil tempt him already over there with, if you're the son of God, do this, if you're the son of God, do that, if you're the son of God. Now, if it was me, I already know what I'd do because I'd be all mad and stuff, and I'd probably make somebody's head swell up or, you know, I'd do something. i say, now, nah, what you think about that? You know, being wrong, because you got to prove yourself, right? Jesus didn't have to prove himself. Jesus, look at his next response. Jesus says this. You're going to say, physician heal yourself. Whatsoever you've done in Capernaum, do it here. And he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of truth, many widows were in Israel. And he goes on to talk about the time when Elisha healed somebody. And he also talks about when Elisha gave, fed this widow. Well, neither one of these people were people that they saw as deserving of it. They weren't Israelites. These weren't people who were part of the covenant. Why would God send his prophet all the way to a woman who don't have nothing to do with God like that, and then his other prophet, he allows somebody to come who is a Syrian. He was uncircumcised, and God healed them both. And Jesus uses those examples to his folks. Why does he do that? Because he was trying to get them to understand. Familiarity causes problems. It always does. We got to understand it. And many times people have gotten so familiar with the wrong Jesus that this is why I think they're not getting nothing. See, right now in the world, it's hard to determine who got it going on and who don't. Come on, people, y'all know. Now I was, I rode by somebody the other day. They got a nice flashy car. It, you know, everything was great, looked like in their life. The only thing they had all the stuff that everybody think mean you're blessed. So how do you know the difference? I mean, you know, if I could sing a gospel record and, and put somebody on there that, you know, got a song and I can't even use the words they're using up in here, y'all would run me out of here if I played that song. Yeah, I mean, every word you could think of that's nasty is on there and used with graphic detail. But now they on my album, gospel, and people are buying it, which means God must be okay with it. No, that don't mean nothing. That means the people that bought it are okay with it. That don't mean God is. God is okay with what God's okay with. That's what he said. That's how you know. You go find out what is God okay with. And if he's okay with it, he's okay with it. If he ain't, I wouldn't care if a billion people listen or follow or go after anything. What is God okay with, we say. Jesus says to them, You people didn't even understand. Y'all were so caught up in idolatry and all the stuff you were doing that God didn't even care to visit you with his power. Now, instead of them saying, ooh, you're right, they got mad. The Bible tells us this is the first attempted murder of Jesus. Read what happened. This is the first attempted murder of Jesus because his response to his hometown ain't what they want to hear. What did they say? Look, it says in verse 28, And they all in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And they rose up and thrust him out of the city. So they done picked Jesus up out of church and are dragging him to a hill to throw him off head first. Yeah, that's a Jesus. I don't know what Jesus, y'all... No, but that's the Jesus, that, that's what his hometown doing. Now, they grab him and start dragging him to the hill. It would intend to throw him off head first. They show you going to die when you land on your head. What does the Bible say happens, though? But he passing through the midst of them went his way. Now, you got to wonder what was on their mind. What happened? Something happened. Some, an angel, something. The Bible doesn't tell us what. But all these people had Jesus dragging him, intending to throw him off the cliff and kill him. And the Bible says Jesus walked through them and went on his way. Now, right there, that should have been something that everybody been like, oh, my God, we need God. Whatever happened, God stepped in. Now, see, he didn't have to worry about praying. You don't see nothing. And Jesus prayed, God, don't let him throw me off the hill. God, don't let them cancel me. God, don't let them this. No, you have proven your faithfulness by being tempted already by the devil, so when he puts them up in front of people, Jesus ain't scared of nobody. Jesus telling them the truth, and they get mad. They get so mad, we're going to kill you mad. Grab him, and Jesus, just going by the business because it ain't his time. See, no one believes me when I say this kind of stuff. Folks, listen to me. The devil can't kill you if it ain't your time, unless you're playing in his field. Now, people say, well, I, you know, they can take all kind of things and make up from what I just said. You have to read the Scriptures to understand what I'm talking about. Last week I said, the Bible talks about you meditating in the Word day and night. And I said, how many people do you know really do that? I mean, in all honesty, you know, if they just be honest, or if they're actually seeking God day and night so that God can do what? move in their life, deliver and keep them so that their life can move. What I'm telling you is we are in a real world filled with real devils. And I don't know why people don't understand this. They are plotting all the time. They don't sleep. They don't slumber. They're trying to figure out how to take you out as best as they can, as quickly as they can, so that they can do what? Destroy your soul. That's what they would like to do. If they can't destroy your soul because you're saved, they're going to try to destroy your life so they can cut you off early. That's what they want to do. If you won't give in to them to where you don't believe, you stay saved, you know, you're saved, but you won't give in. They want to cut your life off then because if you don't do that, you're being what? A minister, a beneficial to other people. So what they got to do is what they did with Israel. Got to get you tied up in the idolatry. Got to get you caught up in it with it because God makes it clear. That's what communion's about today. He says that what? Many are weak, sick, and die because they won't judge themselves. They get caught up in worldly things, and God's like, look, I want to get you out of that, but if you keep wanting to say that's all right, sooner or later I'm going to judge you on that thing. And what you hope is my judgment is maybe weakness, maybe some sickness, because death, you don't get to repeat this no more. You don't get to do it again. Instead, people like pastors, see, that doesn't bring people happiness. People want to hear you talk about the abundant life, how God wants to just give you everything and bless you, and you can have a house with 16 rooms and a swimming pool on top. Glory to God. Drive your bins and never talk to anybody about Jesus. Never have any trouble, and if you have it, it's because the devil is the one bringing it to you. Don't you want that blessed life? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, they say. And then Jesus then already said over here, abundance does not consist in the things you got. What kind of connection people don't make of that? Wrong Jesus, focusing on the wrong Jesus. Can I get the freedom that we want? Look at what Jesus said. I said familiarity causes us to miss Jesus. And familiarity means close acquaintance, knowledge of something. This is what basically happened with his People in the synagogue with him. They knew him. So they couldn't receive nothing from Jesus. They're like, man, look, I know you, Joseph's son. You was in here every Sunday reading, every Sabbath, reading. We've seen you a carpenter. You want us to believe a carpenter is not a Messiah? Well, go on, sit down somewhere. And then instead of him sitting down and being quiet, he insults them. He says, that's why God ain't healed none of y'all. That's why God didn't this. And they're gonna go, what? Oh, Piggy gonna go kill him. I understand. I get why they're mad. Because you should sit down now, boy. You was raised up in here. Can you imagine the elders, the older people? Who are you? To be talking like that, it's God, God doing something, it's God here. We don't know what happened, but we got to make sure that what? We stay in flow with God. Do we really want to be healed? Do we really want God? Or do we want to keep our own pride about what we're doing? Look at what Jesus said. This is what he said the Spirit had anointed him to do. First, preach the gospel to the poor. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about the messages that you hear in the world coming across the pulpits of America are we preaching the good news to the poor and the question is what is the good news All right, the good news is that what God knew you were dying and on your way to hell condemnation was your destination but God sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes on him could have life and they don't end up having to perish Jesus said, if a man believe in me, he'll never die. People say, how can you say that? Because he's saying once you die, that eye's closed, you ain't dead. You might think you are, but you'll never die. You go on to be with God. Paul said, in one place to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. That is the good news to you, Mr. Poor Man. I know the world treasures riches, and I know they say, the more you got, the more blessed you are. But it's a lie from the pit of hell. God has sent me to tell you the truth. Life ain't but so long, and it's over for all of us to sing, rich or poor. It might be that you might be sumptuous daily, every day. But Jesus said there was a rich man. He was arrayed in purple. He ate sumptuously every day. That's like going to Roof Chris every day. It ain't just a holiday. It ain't just anniversary. You go to Roof Chris every day, Monday through Sunday, every day. And you're dressed in the best clothes, and you got everything. And then there's this man who the only way he could even get his sores taken care of is the dog got a lick on him you make them comparisons. And Jesus said they died, and the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. And the poor man that was got his sores getting licked went to heaven. What? What? He was trying to shock that generation to understand you're trapped by riches and wrong thinking. Don't let it get you, he's saying. This man passed by that man every day. And all he could think probably was, God, man, you're so cursed. I'm glad I'm not cursed. I'm glad I'm blessed. I can eat everything and I got my clothes and I got my life. Oh, I'm so wonderfully blessed. And he's like, no, man, you're living in a curse. Jesus said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. Second, heal the brokenhearted. Think about how many people in the world whose hearts are just broke. Whether it's relationships, whether it's things that have happened, whether it's desires they had growing up, dreams they had for their life, visions, things they thought they would do. And as time goes on, it seems to escape more and more and more. And although a few seem to get through the crack and they seem to be accomplishing the things that we thought we wanted, it's all a lie. It's all a fantasy. It's all a fallacy used to draw us in like the carrot on the stick, like the mouse on the trap. Everybody running to try to get to it. The devil let a few through so that we can all do what? Hope. Always hoping. Always wishing. As I keep burning up my life on that treadmill instead of what? Giving it to God and letting him have it. When Jesus said, whatever you do here for me will count for you there. But I'm still running that treadmill, still trying to get there. Heartbroken, but I'm going to keep going. Preach deliverance to the captives. Jesus said that people are captive. Satan uncaptured these people. I'm here to preach you being delivered from this devil. He has you captive. The Jews were so busy saying, what do you mean? We're not slaves. We haven't been. Now, they sound just like black people do today in America. Now, I don't know what they forgot about Egypt. They said, we be Abraham's seed. We ain't never been in bondage to no man. What? What? You don't remember Egypt? Y'all don't remember Pharaoh? Y'all don't remember y'all was in bondage for real? And Pharaoh (laughs) had to be letting go. Moses had to go in there and get y'all out. You talking to some black people today? You'd think slavery ain't never happened. Not because they're not slavery, no, but because of the way they attitude about it.
1: Ain't nobody going to do me nothing. I'm," I'm
0: thinking, man, do you understand Back in the day, when these folk did what they did, you couldn't even raise your head up and walk down the street. You, just 45 or 50 years ago, you were carrying signs around talking about, I am a man. And today, you run around talking about, uh, uh, it ain't right to be white. And you think it's okay to just say stuff like that because, well, look at all the stuff people went through. Right, right, but what I'm saying is you should think that what you would do is give the place of where we are today, you would give God the glory. You would say, a God that we could come from nowhere, wrapped up in chains, bound like we were, put in ships, beat by people, and brought here to a land we had nothing, then let free and given nothing. But look at where we are today. Thank you, God. Instead, it's it's, we patting ourselves on the back and still trying to get something from the people we think took it from us. Instead of saying, God, we appreciate where we are right now and we're going to keep on plowing because all we're going to do is keep on going up. Because you always said you would deliver the captive. And now all of the people who used to jump our ancestors for praying to Jesus and and saying we're going to get deliverance. Now, what can they say? We have gone free, for real. It used to be the church was the backbone of our community. That's why all these singers came out to church. Go listen to them. I was in the church. Beyonce was in the church. Uh, What's her name? Uh, Whitney Houston was in the church. Uh, 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 I I come up with somebody, R. Kelly, in the church. And still go back and sang there now. And people be so excited. Oh, R's here. Well, not so much for him now. He in jail. But they be excited, you know. If, I'm telling you, if you let Beyoncé say she's going back to the church, she's going to be here. And they let her get up there in the choir, sing. People say, Better be careful, Pastor, the beehive going to get you. <laughs> Jesus said, recovering of sight to the blind. To the blind, people are blind. They don't see what's going on. She's like, look, the devil has people's eyes just covered up like this. They don't have a clue what's really going on. He's like, look, I'm trying to open your eyes. I want you to see the truth. Satan is real. When he went in that garden and he deceived our parents, the Bible says violence filled the earth. And all that was ever on the minds of man was violence and, and, and lust and wrath and problems. I mean, folks, it's one thing to be able to pretend and put, a, put a, um, a shield around ourselves about the world, let's say. But there is so much stuff. I'm telling you now, don't do what I'm about to tell you. I've never done this, and I'm, I would be afraid to do it. Don't do it, but I'm telling you, I know this is truth. You could type anything into that Google line and take off the parental, whatever that thing is they call it, that says you can go. Type anything in that could come to your mind. I bet you you'll see it anything. They got so much craziness going on in the world right now. People entertaining this stuff, making movies about it, filming it, and all of this stuff is happening in a world where people keep wanting to say, well, it ain't all of that. Yeah, that's because the darkness tends to stay as low underground as it can until the surface accepts more and more of it. And as the surface accepts more and more of the darkness, it continues to continue to rise to where then everything is dark. There are things that are going on today that, yeah, back 40 years ago, people are like, what? you got to be kidding me. Why are they doing it? Because people have allowed it to happen, and we've just been ingratiated by it. And believing that Jesus is okay with it. Yeah, because, you know, Jesus wants to save everybody. Right, but not on our terms. He wants our eyes to open. Look at what he says. Set at liberty they that are bruised. You know, if you go through life long enough, man, you feel like you done got beat up for real. I mean, the devil, I mean, because he is doing, he's always got something he's beating on us about, our past, our future, our present. Uh, You ain't going to be this, you could have been that. Well, you should have done this, you should have done that. And you ain't going to have this, and you're not going to have that. And Jesus like, look, I'm trying to give you freedom. I want to free you from that. That's why the Bible says that if we concentrate on the Lord, he says if you'll keep the Lord on your mind, he will give you freedom that passes all understanding. But most of the time people have their mind on God, but they have their mind on God with God with, with, with an expectation from God. Well, God, make this thing better. There's some things ain't gonna get no better. Now y'all yeah, know y'all looking at me, but I thought you were talking about faith. Okay, fine. Let, let's use the roof as an example. The roof is leaking. The deck has rotted. I could sit in that hall all day long. Lord, make it better. Lord, just make it better. Lord, please make it better. And then it's not raining right now, so I could say, he must have made it better. <laughs> but all we need is a good rain, and I'm going to know it ain't better. And see, Jesus is like, look, life will do that to you. You know, you'll be going along, you think you got it finally, got it whipped. I'm doing it now, I'm in the lane. And all of a sudden, here come life, and just run over you with something. And now you're right back to Oh man, that's why God's like, I need you to put your mind on me. If you put your mind on me, even when the traffic is running and doing stuff, I I saw a scripture the other day that we were flashing in uh, during prayer, and it says, The Lord hears the prayers of the righteous and delivers them out of all their trouble. So it ain't like we ain't gonna have no trouble, but He gives us a promise of delivering us out of all our trouble. So if my mind stays on that, I might be doing great today. Some trouble show up tomorrow, but I'm still going because I know the Lord's going to deliver me out of this trouble. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he does it anyway. That's what he's always done. And your mind stays at peace because your peace is no longer tied to the happenings of the world. Then he says, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the time. This is the time to accept God. Like the Bible says, in the day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Hear God and accept him and move with him the way that he wants you to. I want to look at Luke. Last thing I'm going to do, Luke chapter 13, because this is what I, you know, it was so interesting when Miss Sue from the UK sent that prayer request. When you look at those verses in Luke 13, I'm going to read verse 10 through 17. I want you to see the faith of this woman, what she sees about Jesus. It says, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And that wasn't from the potter's house. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. What was Jesus' response? The Lord then answered and said unto him, Thou hypocrite! Oh my God! This is not the kind of answer you want to give to people when you're in their church. He says, "You hypocrite, doth not each of one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day?" And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. I watched the whole industry grow out of one scripture. Books and books and books, and we got conferences. Come over here and get loosed. Woman now are loosed, and you loosed, and everybody loosed, and we all loose. When the scriptures are dealing specifically with a woman that has been Bound over 18 years. A physical helmet. And when Jesus speaks, boom, it's gone. We done took that and applied it to anything we can loose you from. I know you've been in a bad marriage. And I know you end up divorced. And I know your life is gone this way, this way, and that way, and every. But get ready, get ready, get ready. God finna loose you. Woo! Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm loose. I'm loose, I'm loose, then go right back home, like get crazy. Everybody loosed, everybody got a book, everybody doing something, and the scriptures are clear. This was an obvious miracle we saw. If you went to the conference and got loose, what was supposed to happen when you went home, people were supposed to say, who are you? Still cussing like they was cussing? Well, I ain't loosed all the way, you know. Come on, that's not what was going on here. Jesus was, this was real. Now, watch this. The distance between Galilee and Nazareth, which was the hometown, Jesus had performed miracles up here in Galilee. Nazareth, it's like going to Clinton. 29 miles from here to Clinton. It's like going to Gonzales. 24 miles away, Jesus could go and work a miracle. Come back to his hometown, they want to throw him off the bridge and kill him. What was the difference? Familiarity. They were so familiar with this God that they knew and how Jesus said that they could not accept the fact that God doesn't do what they're saying. This is what God wants to do. Instead, they get mad when He tells them God's gonna reach out and heal anybody he wants to. Matter of fact, he might not even heal you, even though you think he ought to be. <laughs> Throw y'all to heal. When really what we ought to be looking at and paying attention is understanding something. If we come to notice Jesus in the Bible, folks, I'm telling y'all, Jesus is going to keep doing stuff. He has this miraculous way of showing up, working miracles, doing things when you least expect it. He just keeps doing what he does. But you got to stay in there with what he said. You'd be surprised if you just turn off what people are preaching sometime and just listen to the gospel. And the whole time you're going to see somebody trying to kill Jesus. Somebody's trying to, they mad at Jesus. Jesus done healed somebody on the wrong day. Who ever heard of that? It's like if you come in here right now and you, you're sick with something and you get healed The people in the church, like, no. Oh. it's Communion Sunday. We don't have time to be praying for nobody on Communion Sunday. You need to come on all the other Sundays that we have church then they think you could come up here. Now, the person that got healed now, and after church, they won't throw me out of the church because I done disrupted their communion Sunday. That's the kind of stuff that's happening here. You see how crazy this is? But we got to realize that we have to be in a mindset that says, God, you know what? We're going to let you be God. We're going to allow you to move in our life and to do the things that you want to do, and we're just going to follow you and not what people are saying you are about. We're going to separate ourselves so that we can receive from God all the blessings that he wants to have in our life. Folks, I'm telling y'all, when people are closed with this, when people go to the hospital, like when I go to the intensive care, I have never been able really to tell who was rich and who was poor. I haven't, I swear. I mean, you might think you know, because you see somebody in there talking to somebody, and they got a little Louis Vuitton purse. But today you don't know if they broke the window and stole that. Just saying, you don't. I mean, so now you don't even know. That don't mean nothing. So the reality is, they're all sick, and they're all in intensive care, and they all look the same. This is how God sees us when He looks down. Everybody in intensive care. Everybody in need of help. And God's no respecter of persons when it comes to giving us that help. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father.